1: She is the sixth president of the University of West Florida, and in her 30-plus years in higher education, she has served in academic and leadership roles at universities in Florida, Georgia, Wisconsin, and Mississippi. Her area of academic expertise is in public relations and crisis communication, for which she has won numerous awards, including two Public Relations Society of America's coveted. Silver Anvils. As an entrepreneurial leader, Saunders is passionate about creating innovative solutions to deal with the dynamic challenges facing higher education. And as a change maker, she drives action behind these solutions to propel higher education into the future. Welcome to the show, Martha. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited to have you here today. So I want to start my time with you. I I really like to begin with most of my guests talking about what inspired you to get into education. So when when you were little, did you line up all of your animals, your stuffed animals and have your chalkboard and were you teaching them or was education something that you fell
2: into further down the road? I fell into it further down the road and our higher ed in particular, rather Comparatively late in life, I did other things. My earlier careers were in advertising, public relations. I've done some journalism, a lot of freelance work, and then was invited to teach adjunct, just to teach a class at a college and just loved it. And I thought, you know, this is kind of cool. And then as time went on, opportunities came up to work full-time at universities, and I've been doing it ever since. All right. Beautiful. Well, so let's talk about universities and
1: higher education. You know, one of the things that has significantly changed in the last, at least the last 20 years, for sure, has been the entire education model, I think, is shifting both into the you know as a result of technology and digitalization and as a result of the expanded availability for people to receive information from all kinds of different directions so i'd love to have you just share with us like what role do you think you want to play in guiding and shaping the future of education
2: i think we all those of us in leadership in higher ed, if we don't already know how to adapt, we need to learn. That is going to be the key. I have been around long enough. I saw distance learning come in, even before it was called online learning because we didn't have an online. And and the usual resistance to change that you see. But now we know that there are different ways of delivering Subject matter that are just as effective, but you have to use a different set of pedagogical muscles if you're teaching a student online versus teaching a student or or working with a student in person. And so that required knowing how to adapt and maintaining the quality essence of what you're trying to do. The whole point is, is anybody learning anything, (laughs) but doing it in a different way. And I have seen changes in students' expectations. Now our students, and I think most places, are asking, they want both. (laughs) They want an online alternative uh, or an in-person. And And so there's a lot of change in those kinds of demands. So I think we need to be very, very tuned in to the workplace, the, the folks who are receiving our graduates. And we're listening carefully to them, and we're connecting better with them. And this probably won't come as a surprise. Universities don't move really fast. <laughs> and so we have to. We have to change curriculum when, it, when the demand is for the change. And that has been harder for some universities than others. We've had some good luck doing that. We are quite agile. And a lot of that comes from culture that we all know what we're supposed to be here doing. And there's a lot of trust. It's hard to change. It's hard to get people to change when they're not sure of your motives. (laughs) So Mm. so I think learning to adapt and becoming even more adaptable, if I could make one difference before I'm done, that's what I want to do.
1: Beautiful. All right. So there's a lot in what you just said, I would love for those listeners who have never heard the word pedagogical muscles before, (laughs) you know, because we have listeners in 103 countries around the world across a bunch of disciplines, across a bunch of age ranges. Can you share what that exactly means? And I want to, you know, for our listeners, I want you to listen to what she's saying, because I think what she's going to say to you now will apply especially across kind of cross industry, especially if you're an entrepreneur who is delivering any kind of course material or training material. So can we talk about uh, pedagogy and pedagogical yeah. muscle sure. and the ability
2: to be agile and adaptive with that? Oh, absolutely. And I think that you know we've we've learned a lot of lessons. And, you know, there probably was a day when a professor mm-hmm. would walk into the classroom and start talking and everyone just assumed somebody was learning, <laughs> you know. But then we have certainly learned that we have better ways of assessing, you know, if someone kept, you know, are they learning anything? Mm-hmm. And so when we started moving to online, you if you're not in person, you lose some important information and for example you you don't, don't see the nonverbals you don't necessarily see that kid turning his head and looking perplexed <laughs> you don't see the shifting you know so you, you don't have that benefit so we had to find other ways of of engaging with zoom you it, it's very similar to in person but if you're going strictly online how do you determine whether a student is having a problem. And so when I say pedagogical muscles, we approach it very differently online. We provide exercises that we know are engaging the students. We set aside chat times so that they can talk. One of the things we also learned is it is labor, much more labor intensive to teach online than it is to teach in person. Which was very surprising because when it all started, we thought, oh, one faculty member can teach Wadzo students. (laughs) And so so I think the lesson for anybody who is communicating with colleagues or customers through different delivery methods, you do have to learn there's what you're going to have to capture them in a different way. For us, there are a lot of quality matters. That we can build in, we evaluate our courses based on how well they engage, and then we can assess these students learn with us not being present. Mm-hmm. So, and so I think you, but you you start out, and our advantage is we know what we need them to learn, mm-hmm. just like in a business they they know what they want their customer to do or think or believe, and and in any business what you want your colleagues to. kind of relationships you want so but it is going to be different and if you're using different modalities
1: Mm, beautiful all right I want to kind of turn the ship here a little bit and talk about the fact that you've been in in higher education for 30 years and that you have obviously you know you started part-time as a teacher That you have made some significant progress up the ranks, and now you're president of the University of West Florida. So, I'd love to have you speak a little bit about your own personal leadership journey and what, if anything, was kind of like the guiding light for you or the go to strategy for you that allowed you to elevate yourself and stand in your power as you went up the ladder?
2: Sure. (laughs) I started out, but I I have students that always ask me, oh, did you want to be a president? Did you think you'd be a president when you were a student? And I say, absolutely not, because they didn't make women presidents of anything, Hmm. anything when I was a student. So it was never on my mind. But as you know, and kind of, frontline women's movement type, as opportunities popped up, I did have a lot of good encouragers and opportunities that I jumped on. I tell people often, you know, almost every job I've had, I loved. And I would say, you know, I I could do this the rest of my life and die happy. And then something else comes up and I think, well, that looks fun. (laughs) So I think it does take, you have to have a bit of an adventurer spirit. To move up, especially when it's uncharted waters. In my case, though, there was a moment that I like to share. I started my career here, but I moved on and did other things. This is my third pre- and I came back here as president. I was I have been president at two other universities. But when I was here, by this point I was a dean. And the president at the time. Took a great interest in his leadership, his not his executive leadership, but he paid attention to those of us further down, down the way, and we just happened to be the last two at the lunch table one day, and he complimented something that we had done in the college, and I thanked him, and he said, "You know, you'd be a good president," and I thought, "Oh, hush, yeah, <laughs> go on," and he said, "No." You would, but we've taught you all we can teach you here and you need to go some other places and you need to learn some other things. And that was about the most generous advice he could have given anybody. Six months later, I was gone. So he lost a dean, (laughs) but he opened that door and just said, you can do this. You should think about it because I'm not, I'll always run through an open door. It was a good piece of advice. And so, you know, kind of coming back and learning what I have, I have learned a lot, but I think back on what a difference that made. One person suggesting that I might be able to do some other things. And 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 I've had good encouragers along the way. Never Mm -hmm. a mentor that you think of as this one guiding light, but a fair supply of encouragers. Mm -hmm. And that's what I try to try to do now. I'm at a point in my career where other people's successes matter more.
1: Yeah, beautiful. All <laughs> right. Well, we are going to go to break on that. I loved the statement I'm I'm always one to run through the open door. That might be your pearl of wisdom, Martha. <laughs> yes, but right now We're going to go to our quick break. Wickedly Smart Women, we could use your help if you're enjoying this show and want us to stay on the air. Please consider making a donation at www.wickedlysmartwomen.com. We'd also like to ask you to share with your lovely lady friends who you think might benefit from our content. Help a gal out and let your sisters, mothers, daughters, friends, and colleagues know about the show so that we can serve them too. I do want to celebrate... We just found out that we won our sixth and seventh award back-to-back, and so we are now a seven-time award-winning show. We've won the podcast awards in the People's Choice Podcast Awards for Business Management Tools, and we also just won another silver award in the W3 Awards, so we do want to celebrate that. And we especially want to say a big thank you to all of our listeners who are downloading, rating and reviewing. We're welcoming thousands and thousands and thousands of downloads from all over the world, including West Florida, Pensacola. We wanna shout out this week to our listeners there and to our listeners in Tajikistan and Mozambique. And we will be right back with Martha Dunnigan Saunders. and we are back with Martha Dunnigan Saunders she's the sixth president of the University of West Florida and she would like you if you are down in West Florida or if you are anywhere and considering that it's time for you to enroll in a university and get your degree to put the University of West Florida on your map and give it some consideration it is one of the top 10 universities in the south it is a comprehensive regional University, and they are very strong in STEM and cybersecurity, and have a whole bunch of different PhDs that they offer. So, if that is on your radar, consider this the open door that you ought to walk through and go to uwf.edu. That's uwf.edu. We'll have that for you in the show notes. If you want to find out more about Martha and maybe book her to speak on your show or to your community, you could probably just click on the president tab there and they'll hook you up as well. So before we went to the break, Martha, we were talking about your rise to leadership and about this mentor who suggested that you be president and then moved you you know, it it inspired you to move out, right? Yeah. Inspired you to move out, inspired you to see something that was possible. But the more important thing that I heard there, and this is actually something that I learned way back in my thirties when I was the national chairperson of my trade association, when I was back in the real estate industry, when they made me the national chairperson, I was like, what happened? What just <laughs> happened here? <laughs> but what I learned was the role of the leader is to cultivate the people who are going to take your place. And it's not about being glued to the seat of the leadership role, but instead being the one who is looking at who are the people who are needing to be nurtured and grown and encouraged and maybe even sparked like it sounds to me like this man who was president when you were dean literally sparked something in you that you weren't even thinking was on your radar screen so i'd love to have you talk about that role that you play as a leader and if you were to speak to other leaders like who are lateral maybe to you about what you do to help your institution, as well as your team, begin to cultivate that kind of attitude.
2: It's very important to me and certainly to our organization, but any, to have what I call depth on the bench. And we are a big organization. We have about 3,000 employees and 14,000 students. And it's like a city. And so a thousand decisions a day get made that I don't know anything about. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, they, you know, it's important that you have these people all up and down that buy into what the institution is supposed to be doing and that are coming up through there. And so we do a lot of things. One of the things we have done for quite a while, again, I think it's important and I advise my students, if you're going into a job, know that industry. If you're going to work at, let's say, real estate, understand real estate. If you go to work in healthcare, understand hospitals. Well, if you're going to work at a university, the people who work here need to understand universities. And so we do every year, we do leadership classes. We do one for our faculty. It's a year-long class and one for select faculty, one for select staff. And the whole point is for them to get to know how everything works together. You know, you can come to work here, and if you do nothing else, you don't know what else is going on. You don't know how it all fits together. Mm -hmm. And so they meet every month for a year, and then they do a project together to benefit the institution. And they do some really cool things, but it enables them to get to know, again, all the pieces parts that it takes to make this unit work. And that has been been very, very effective. And we try to make sure also to, we keep it, try to keep things simple that people know what we're here to do in every speech. You know, here's our mission. Here's what we're here to do. And it got us through COVID because I said, there's a, There is a lot of crazy stuff going on, but here's our job, and we're going to be doing it differently, (laughs) and you might be doing it from your kitchen, (laughs) but here's our job, and and keep your eye on that prize. Mm. So I think some of that has has been very, very helpful. We also, even when we're hiring entry-level, I I say, check them out for leadership potential. Hire leaders, even if you're hiring an assistant to an assistant, mm. see what they're and and start, you know, I guess a talent search. And and some of these leadership classes do the same thing. And that's been something that I think has worked very well for us. We are, you know, big and complicated. I do kind of always looking for ways to, I don't see everybody every day. So how do we How do we get to those valuable sort of mid-level supervisors who are having to make decisions? Maybe not with benefit of getting to call the president. (laughs) And and how do we make sure that they are empowered to do what they want to do? And that's an ongoing, Mm. ongoing thing. I spend a lot of time with my HR director. (laughs) Yeah, well, I would imagine you do, but mainly talking about how we can. Do better. And to lose someone because we haven't given them opportunities. Sometimes you lose them for better opportunities. And that's okay. You know, right. you know that. We bring people up it's, you know, we hire the best, we give them our best. And when opportunity knocks, we wish them the best, but they'll leave us better than they found us. Mm. And we'll we'll be able to hire another good person because of that. So Yeah, we're we're a labor intensive industry, you know, and that's who you've got to deal with. (laughs) You know, we do need equipment and things like that, but it's the people here that matter. And and we do try to invest in them as best we can. Beautiful. All right. Well, in the couple of minutes that we have left,
1: I do want to take just a second to talk about you having been on the front line of the women's movement. (laughs) And I'd love to have you share from your personal perspective, like, either to celebrate how far we've come, or to put the, you know, arrow out there to where you'd like to see us going from here.
2: Well, we have come an incredibly long way. I mean, we do have women in the, you know, in leadership, but we seem to have almost plateaued at Top leadership about twenty percent, and that may just be normal ebb and flow of social change, or maybe something else. And I I think a lot about that. We those of us in my generation, we I say we're getting ready to pass the fire baton, <laughs> you know. And I want some. We work too hard to mm-hmm. get where we are. I I want to know that there are plenty of opportunities. Specifically for women, I often use the analogy. You know, we broke the glass, you know, glass ceilings, but broken glass leaves jagged edges, mm-hmm. and our job is to make sure it's a lot smoother <laughs> for the next ones coming up. And I'm, I'm very passionate about that. And like I said, I'm I want good things for all people, but especially women coming up. I don't want to lose. Any ground, and we are plateauing. So mm, beautiful. I love this idea of
1: we've broken the glass ceiling, but glass ceiling, glass broken glasses, jagged edges, and, and this idea of smoothing the way. So, in the last seconds that you have, is there one piece of advice that you would give a woman listening who is maybe coming up against a jagged edge? that you would offer to her to maybe help her find
2: her own way to smooth that ask for help. I wasn't good at that coming up because I didn't think there was any help out there. Mm. But there is. There are lots of people who are your peers. You don't have to go to your supervisors and but find folks that there is help out there. and that that are, uh, you know, that can just give you wonderful little nuggets to, to help you on the way, but don't be afraid to ask for help. Mm, Uh, That was a lesson I had to learn.
1: Yeah, me too. All right. Beautiful listeners ask for help. And I'm going to ask you for help right now because we love feedback. So help me out and send some feedback in. Please let us know what you thought of today's show by calling into our listener line. We'll have that number for you in the show notes, or you can send in questions or guest suggestions to listeners at wickilysmartwomen.com. We might even give you a shout out on the show. We do want to say a big shout out today to one of our contributors to the show, Kathy Son. Thank you so much. And we want to thank you all for tuning in. Keep your ears open
0: and remember, you are a wonderful woman. Thanks for tuning in, downloading and listening. at wickedlysmartwomen.com.